0: Pastor Ray Bentley points out how one woman explained that belief in Christ changed her life.
1: I believe that this is the one man in the history of Israel who has followed your will, who has followed your heart, who has obeyed your desires, and she believed in him, and immediately the power and the virtue, the very character she believed in came from Jesus, and there was a outgoing of the power to heal. Spread news, oh.
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Jesus was not only a carpenter and indeed the very creator of the world, he's the son of the living God who changes lives. And not only does he change us on the inside, the Bible records many instances where he changed people on the outside, healing them instantly. Today, two such encounters and what we can learn from. them.
1: Okay, Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, and beginning in verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged Jesus, earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. And so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things for many physicians, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Wow, this is, how many would agree this is an exciting day for to be with Jesus? I would love to have been with him uh, at this particular point. We know that he had gone to the other side of Galilee. He had touched. Uh, the area of Gadara, capitalist Gentile territory. And there he had cast a demon out of a man and the man was sitting clothed in his right mind. This was a portent of things to come. It was a sign that the gospel would go beyond the borders of Israel and spread throughout the whole world for every nation, every language, every kindred and every tribe. But this man wants to get with Jesus in the boat Uh, and spend the rest of his life with Jesus. I I think I would have too. Had demons cast out of me, I want to be with Jesus. But Jesus says, no, you need to stay here. And I want you to be a witness for me here on the edge of the Roman Empire and of the Gentile world. Uh, Sometimes, we are touched by the Lord Jesus and we immediately want to leave everything that we've known because we've had such a powerful, transforming experience and we're ready to move or we're ready to go. And sometimes the Lord says, no, I already have you right where I want you to be. Stay here, abide here, burn for me here, be a light for me here, be a witness for me here. I need you, but I need you to be where you already are. Well, Jesus and the disciples, after transforming that part, uh, the other side of Galilee get back in the boat, come back to Jesus' headquarters. They're now back to Capernaum. And as they come back, we we now have these two stories uh, that kind of collide both in one day uh, to Jesus. Uh, Look with me here. It says in verse 25, let's read the rest of this story. It says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had tried every doctor. She had tried every remedy. Uh, In fact, it goes on to say she had spent all that she had and was no better. But rather grew worse. And then verse 27, when she heard about Jesus... Sometimes the Lord waits until we have exhausted every human resource and then you hear about Jesus or you remember Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd. Now, we can't even begin to imagine what it was like to be around Jesus at that time And and she touched his garment. There were so many people around him, thronging around him, crowding around him. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, I love this, verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. Boom. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. I think it's interesting. Jesus knew, I mean, there are many that are touching him, but he knew someone has touched me differently. They have touched me with faith. He felt the power, the virtue, the healing powers that were within him as the Messiah flowing out of his body into someone who had grasped a hold of him in faith. And he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Here's this woman, she was incurable. Uh, She has a hemorrhage uh, that was uh, no doubt incurable and and it was slowly destroying her. We can only imagine the, the physical pain and the emotional pressure that was literally sapping her strength day after day after day after day. Poor, poor woman. She's in this condition and then she happens to be born at the time and in the place where God actually sent his only begotten son and where he's beginning to do miracle after miracle after miracle. And she hears about it and she determines, I I am going to this man. And she had apparently not only heard that Jesus healed people but had either heard his teachings or heard others tell about his teachings and she made a judgment about his character that this was a man of God. He was a man of the word of God. He was a man who loved God. He was a man who followed the commandments of God. He was a man of obedience. He was a man of relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And she said, I know he is a man who walks with character and the anointing of God is upon him. She may not have theologically been able to write a dissertation about him, or his claims, but she had made a judgment about him and she also determined in her own mind, because that man is good, all I need, he's a man of prayer, he is a man of the word, he is a man of the promises. If I touch him with faith, I believe that God will heal me. Now, it's very interesting that she develops this whole little theology in her own mind, but God up in heaven says, now that is a faith I will hear and respond to and answer. Now, she could have given a lot of excuses. She could have said, I'm not important enough for Jesus to care about me. And it's very easy to have faith oh, I know he is a good man, he's a prophet, he may even, some say he's the Messiah, and he's healing all these other people, but not me. This is where faith becomes real. Listen, faith is not, I believe Jesus can do this because of who he is. Uh, Faith is not just, I believe Jesus can do this for other people, but real, genuine, powerful, transformative faith is when I say, I believe Jesus will do it for me if I reach out and touch him. She could have said, well look, because Jesus is on his way, Jairus is an important man, he's the ruler of the synagogue, and he's just grabbed Jesus and he says, come to my house with the urgency of a father whose daughter is dying or has already died. And she could have said, oh, timing, I I can't do it now. But she went ahead. She did not give in to any excuses. She laid aside any arguments she may have had and she came to Jesus. And the Lord said she was a woman of great faith. Now the fact that she comes up and approaches Jesus from behind, she is not wanting (laughs) number one attention, although she's gonna get a lot of attention in just a few moments. She is wanting to come from behind and apparently there were so many people around Jesus. I think this would be, this would be, if Jesus literally was here and walked down here and you could go up and touch Jesus or hold his hand or hug him, uh, how many of you would be willing to try Let's, you know, he's here and especially, okay, let's say you're standing back, he's too holy and I can't do it. And then some other, you know, Peter, Uh, you know, runs up and hugs Jesus, and Jesus hugs him back and smiles, and he goes, woo, all right, it's okay. He didn't zap him or anything. We could all run and throng around Jesus. So here is Jesus. People, I, I can imagine, are touching him. Little children are getting through the adults' legs, and they're reaching out, they're grabbing, they're touching him, they're pulling him, they're trying to get attention. They're laying hands on him. Uh, You know, this this is a very humble part of the world. A lot of people from farming backgrounds and so forth, they're very hands-on, earthy, real, salt of the earth. So she makes her way into the crowd from behind with many people around Jesus. Probably not easy to get into that inner circle and she reaches in and through, who knows how many elbows and shoulders and grabs hold of his tassels.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teaching has meant to them.
1: Thank you, Pastor Ray, for allowing God to use you in a mighty way. We are all blessed because of it. Your legacy in Christ lives on through your ministry and your family. We love you so much.
0: Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: Now, this is also interesting, though. This was She would have known this is an awkward situation for the rabbi. Um, she may have taken advantage of the confusion of the moment, but if she was a you know, Jewish woman that had an issue of blood, she was unclean. She's not even allowed to go into the synagogue according uh, to Jewish law. And it was commonly understood that any woman should keep her distance from a rabbi. And again, this was doubly true because of her uncleanness, Due to this ailment. And I put the scripture reference there in Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 through 27. Unclean, stay away. But before Jesus had a chance to react, the woman reached out and touched. Now, literally, what she touched are the tassels. And that's where the power of God left Jesus' body and went into her. Now, this tells us a couple of things. Number one, It tells us that while Jesus definitely spoke about the dangers of tradition, being careful about tradition or worshiping tradition or elevating tradition above the Bible, it also reveals he followed the biblical command to wear these fringes. I don't know if you're aware of this, but actually in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, it actually, God gave instructions to a Jewish man who wanted to walk observantly, to honor God, follow God, be obedient to God. He was to wear tassels. And apparently, Jesus did. He had a very simple garment. Uh, In fact, that was the only thing that he owned. But as well as the garment, he had the tassels. So that's the first thing that we notice. And the second thing is, the fact that this woman reached out and touched the tassels shows her faith. She was, in essence, saying, because those tassels represented a reminder to the man that he was to live, not for himself, but for the will of God, the will of his father. And Jesus said, that's what I came for. I follow the will of my father. I live for the will of my father. What God had intended for uh, the Jewish you know, people to follow in the law, but had never lived up to, Jesus did. In other words, when she grabbed hold of the tassels, it wasn't some magical thread. All that was was a picture of the character of the man who wore them, who happened to be perfect. In other words, holding on to the tassels represented the word of God and that she would receive her healing. It wasn't holding on to the fringes that healed her. It was reaching out in faith to the character of the man wearing those fringes, a man of the word, a man of prayer. Amen? It was such a beautiful, simple, humble, genuine demonstration of faith. I believe that this is the one man in the history of Israel who has followed your will, who has followed your heart, who has obeyed your desires, who has done what you desire father on earth. He is a man of character and she believed in him and immediately the power and the virtue, the very character she believed in came from Jesus and he felt that power leave his body. She had grabbed on. He he was so tied in uh, spiritually to what was happening in his physical body and in his humble dress that when a woman reached out in faith, Jesus knew it and he felt it. And there was a outgoing of the power to heal. And it was this woman's faith in the Messiah's power, not the garment itself, that gave her that restoration. So then uh, Jesus stops and he goes, okay, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you kidding? Everybody here has been touching you. And he goes, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me differently. Think about that for a moment. It's possible for there to be a throng around Jesus and everybody's reaching up and they're around him, but not necessarily engaging personally in faith. It's possible to go to church and being the throng, but are you really connecting with faith in your heart? Are you really reaching out to Jesus and touching the word of God, making it real, making it personal? Is it possible to go to church and sit there as a human being and take up a place in a pew, hear the songs, sing and make a melody and not really be engaged in your heart and in your spirit? Yes, it's possible to be very close to Jesus, but not touch him in the same way. He's waiting for somebody, not just to bump into him and touch him nonchalantly, but intentionally with need and with faith. So this woman, uh, you know, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me with faith. And here's what's exciting. She could have run away. She could have hidden. She could have maybe just gone off, but she comes up and, you know, it's got to be embarrassing. On the one hand, I've been unclean for 12 years. And this is the holiest man that I've ever been near. And all of a sudden, everybody's looking at me. But she just had the experience a few seconds ago. I felt the blood that had plagued me for 12 years stop and dry up. So all of a sudden, she felt differently in her body. So she says, it was me. (laughs) And what does Jesus say? Daughter. She could have touched Jesus and walked away and been healed, but she went from healing to salvation to relationship because Jesus said, daughter, that's personal. Man, that is, that's revive. That's revival. That's when, it, when what becomes genuine and real, it becomes powerful and personal uh, for each and every one of us. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. She was cleansed from within and without. Now back to the other story, you still got Jairus going, really? My daughter is dying. Can we get back to my daughter? So verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. And, and what a day this was. And said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? For a split second, what do you think Jairus is feeling? Ah! You know, you just, here's a healing and you, but you delayed and she's, my daughter is dead. You were sick, but my daughter was, is already dead. I don't know what flashed through a father's mind. You're not always rational at those moments, but uh, I, I feel for poor Jairus. The God enlightens, that's the meaning of his name. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid. Why did he say that? Because his first reaction was afraid. She's dead and it's too late. Immediately, Jesus, knowing that, says, Jairus, look at me, don't be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and he saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. (laughs) Yeah, right, just healed a little girl from the dead. Now don't tell anybody, let's keep it a little secret. I don't always understand uh, some of those things, but surely, I mean, (laughs) the, the news was spread quickly around Galilee shortly thereafter. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, it tells us about this story. I read to you Matthew 9, 23 and 24. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, same story, and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, they'd already started the funeral. He said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping, and they ridiculed him. The laws of Jewish mourning required the need for mourners to assist those who were grieving. In fact, the Mishnah declared, with kind of the rules on following the law, even the poorest in Israel should hire not less than two flutes and one wailing woman. You had to hire people to help you, you know, weep and mourn. And so they had started playing you know, the sad little flute sound and the wailing. Someone was there. And in this emotionally charged moment, Jesus makes the shocking announcement. He breaks up the mourning. He breaks up the, the sadness. And I love that. If any of you are just in, you know, in, a, in a sour mood, Jesus comes in, nope, not today, no pity party. Anybody that's just gonna you know, weep and mope and whine, get out. All whiners, please leave now. <laughs> so everybody leaves. Mom, dad, Peter, James, and John are standing there, and there's Jesus. And Jesus, of course, it's wrong. According to the law, you cannot touch a dead person. But with Jesus not fearful of defilement, because it's gonna go the other way. Defilement's not coming to him, but the resurrection and the life in him is gonna change the defilement into wholeness, health, healing, and from death to resurrection and life. So when he touched her, and then what do you say to a little child, a little 12-year-old girl that's been sleeping? Little lamb, wake up. Little girl, wake up, wake up. And she bats her little eyes. She wakes up, she gets up immediately, starts walking around, and what's the first thing every kid does after they've taken a nap? They say, I'm so hungry. And Jesus, while their mouths are hanging open and they don't even want, they don't know what to do. Jesus, Could somebody go in the kitchen and get the little girl something to eat? She's very hungry. Because a few moments ago, she was sleeping and she now needs food. Give her physical attention. Isn't Jesus awesome? Well, praise the Lord. Father, we just come before you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. And Lord, the same Jesus is here tonight. You love and you care for each and every one. Now Lord, if there is even one man, one woman, one boy or one girl in desperate need of you, and maybe it's not them personally, but someone they have emotionally carried or been carrying. Mom, a dad, a sister, a brother, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker. Uh, Lord, that they would stand in proxy for them and and that you would heal them and raise them and nurture them and and make them whole. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we pray that you would be glorified in this place, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley, with great encouragement today from our studies in the Gospel of Mark here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Power Over Death. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights, via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day, automatically, at no charge. And also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, including his brand new one, The Final Witness, and The Cyrus Mandate, both page-turning prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. You'll see end-times prophecy in a whole new light. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world.